Courageous Conversations. Another day, another podcast. What up, Karen? Right. <laughs> another day, another week, another podcast. Hopefully you are following along with us or skipping around in our library of podcasts and getting something out of this. Uh, nice to be here today to see your face, Cece. Thanks. I'm excited to even think that we're at episode what like 32 Ooh, 32 Ooh. all right so, so people busy for well not quite a year we need 20 more for a year a year's work of weekly podcast <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of opportunities for practice in there a whole podcast about practicing and so right. today we are going to offer another opportunity uh for practice for yeah. stimulation, <laughs> whatever, whatever the vibe is, it's coming for you. <laughs> Get your ears out, Jacqueline Giraffe. So I was talking to, to Cece here before we pressed record and I received a newsletter from one of my colleagues, um, certified trainer named David McCain. And I really appreciate um, his newsletter and, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to quote um, a portion about, he talks about the school systems and he's, he's pointing out, you know, some of these systems that at this moment in the United States are not working to bring us into full interdependence with one another. So I'm going to read this paragraph and hopefully I'll read it slowly enough, or you can pause and take it in. So he writes, the school system tends toward valuing and promoting obedience over independent thinking and creativity, valuing and promoting, quote, good behavior, end quote, over the full embodiment and expression of one's inner fire, valuing and promoting competition and the grading process over cooperation and learning, valuing and promoting hard skills such as math and science over essential soft skills like art, music, self-awareness, self-care, empathy, relationships, and community building and valuing and promoting extrinsic motivation while suppressing natural intrinsic motivation. So in my evaluation, a lot of words said there, and I would love to, to, you know, pick apart some of these and, and talk about them because this excited me um, written in this form is, as you know, Cece, we're about to embark on our first semester at a middle school, mm-hmm. working with students specifically around nonviolent communication and social media. So we've been working on this since January, and we had a little little pilot run online, and we got some feedback, and we're able to find a school here in Truth or Consequences, I'm super excited about. Shout out to teacher Heather Williams. 
and um, and to Shirley Muncy for saying yes, the principal of the school. Um, and so we're going to be navigating what a system that's already in place that these eighth graders that we're going to be working with have been through the system that David writes about here. And um, we don't want to walk in and say, that's wrong. You need to value um, independent thinking and creativity over obedience and then just confuse everybody. We want to go in and, and meet people where they are. So I've said many words. Many I want to hear Cece <laughs> to read. Um, I, I'm, I was excited to read it too because when I read it, it reminds me of my school experience of, you know, going in, maybe thinking, hey, I could do this different. And the response being, no, this is how it's done. Do it this way or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so to see now that there's more awareness around the school system and needing change in that school system is that it brings hope mm -hmm. and I obviously know some teachers that uh, have this same mentality where they're going into classrooms and making sure that yes I have a system that I work within that wants to see results in a certain way and I can still do that while teaching empathy, kindness, relationship building, and trusting, um, like trusting oneself, mm -hmm. which I enjoy because my thought is that when we trust ourselves, we need less from outside ourselves. We won't be trying to meet our needs um, or asking people like, hey, what do you think of this? Blah, blah, blah. Not saying that that's wrong. Sometimes it's when you're in a group setting, that's wonderful, right? To collaborate and part of that relationship. But when you're working on something yourself and constantly seeking, hey, is this good approval from other people? Um, it has other effects. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by all of that, that you're saying, you know, what motivates us and, and how are we motivated and how are we how are we blocked in motivation sometimes, you know, so you're feeling, you know, his last sentence is that we value and promote or the system values and promotes extrinsic motivation while suppressing natural intrinsic motivation. So you might wake up as a young kid. I know I did. I used to wake up with like a lot of energy and just be bouncing off the walls and yeah. super creative and thinking of things and uh, popping them out there. I loved poetry. I loved um, writing. I just really liked writing and poetry and creative stuff. Um, and I wanted to be in uh, drama. I remember, you know, wanting to be in drama class, but because uh, we moved a lot as kids, I was not what would you call popular. I was shy. I was the youngest of four. I mean, just all these you know, things. No one really had told me, you know, keep that inner motivation. Don't look at the outside, just like keep going with your inner motivation until I was in my senior year. So I literally didn't do any drama until my senior year. Well, I think I was a, 
extra in the chorus of Music Man. Um, like, so we're a sophomore or something. But uh, then my senior year, we moved. We moved to El Paso from Leander, Texas. And um, I, I became Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. And we took that to UIL and competition and blah, blah, blah. And I got these awards and it was really amazing. Uh, just because one teacher really, you know, said, go with that, you know, go with it, be energized, get up there and, and show us what you got. She just kept saying yes. And um, everything exteriorly had told me, no, you know, you haven't yeah. been part of the drama club. You don't know how to act you don't da, 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 da. um so I have a lot of experience I mean I could go into each one of these bullet points but I want to give you a moment to to react if you want <laughs> I am enjoying hearing about it in the arts form because that was heavily my activities I did sports as well but to me in my experience the sports was like the norm the music and arts and that part of myself wasn't considered norm in school settings it was thing you do after you do these other things of more importance Mm -hmm. and for a long time I held on where I said this can be a thing look at look at Diddy look at these artists, I, you know, look at Angie Martinez, like these are New York people. Cause you know, that's, that's where I'm from. And then somewhere along the way in the, in the system, I too was like, Oh, um, I, I just, I think kind of gave it and t- made different choices um, out of, I would still say that same sentence, like valuing and promoting that extrinsic motivation while suppressing like just like the natural doing of what makes me come alive Mm -hmm. and then more recently and I'm telling myself a lot of people now that I know in like my age group Mm -hmm. are having this moment of huh what was I doing for like phase I'm gonna call like I always call things in tens phase one phase two phase three so like these (laughs) first these first you know two phases of life Mm -hmm. where where did it go Mm -hmm. and um I know that you're not on social media and we know (laughs) yeah girl is always on social media um (laughs) but someone posted recently and I was like yes this is it it was a video and they were talking about it's funny how finding yourself is really just remembering all the things you enjoyed as a child mm-hmm. and I was watching it I was chilling and I said oh yes this is it we are remembering because I like post like skipping videos and stuff now just because I like skipping <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking to myself oh man I really like this like I'm gonna keep doing this even outside of people filming me on videos because it's something that is just fun and I know it's more like lighthearted compared to you know some of the things we are talking about yeah but Um, I'm hearing you're you're remembering the joy that it brings to you yes exactly and so I've been focusing on that when I'm doing something how do I actually feel does it bring that childlike joy joy of baby duck as Karen Mm -hmm. would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and it's made going through even some things I don't want to do more fun. Knowing that, like, knowing that I can sit and find, I can find joy in things, even the things I don't want to do. If I remember how would I approach this as a kid? Mm-hmm. Um, when you were talking, I was just remembering that, uh, you know, I was always told that poetry wasn't what, you know, it wasn't worthwhile. Like just, okay, you can do that in, in UIL, which is a competition, but, um, really you're going to walk away from it at some point. And, and I, I did, I loved reading poetry and, um, I remember the first one was the fighter and the fly. I think I was in third grade or something. I read that. And then I went on and uh, continued doing it through high school. And I even wrote some, but then it was, it was really not valued in my college experience until I went to get my master's. Actually, this was my last year of my undergrad. Um, we had some, we had, a, I had a job in my interdisciplinary schooling um, at Evergreen to read Emily Dickinson with my group. And uh, that was pretty phenomenal. But then when I went to my master's and I was studying the Eastern classics, it was so rich with poetry. I mean, some of these were just long poems or even, you know, in the Western with like Milton's Paradise Lost. And so it was just like, wow, oh my gosh, poetry has a place. It's like super rich and it says so much in like just a little stanza. Um, so I, 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 I wish that, you know, in my formative years that that was treated like the hard skills, like math and science. Cause I believe that um, I wouldn't have held back in blossoming you know, waiting until my fourth phase of life to blossom, blossom, you know, and it reminds me too, that in Marshall's book, Nonviolent Communication, he has a lot of different poetry and um, I want to read one. Can I read one? Yeah, please. Okay. (laughs) I I like poetry. (laughs) And his are, his are like, you know, just, they're just really cute. I love them. Um, Okay, I'm going to read the one. This actually isn't titled, and it's by his friend Ruth Biebermeyer from, um, I think from a song, because she had a lot of songs. Um, Okay, this is, I've never seen a lazy man. I've seen a man who never ran while I watched him, and I've seen a man who sometimes slept between lunch and dinner and who'd stay at home upon a rainy day but he was not a lazy man. Before you call me crazy, think, was he a lazy man or did he just do things we label lazy? I've never seen a stupid kid. I've seen a kid who sometimes did things I didn't understand or things in ways I hadn't planned. I've seen a kid who hadn't seen the same places where I have been, but he was not a stupid kid. Before you call him stupid, think, Was he a stupid kid or did he just know different things than you did? I've looked as hard as I can look, but never, ever seen a cook. I saw a person who combined ingredients on which we dined, a person who turned on the heat and watched the stove that cooked the meat. I saw those things, but not a cook. Tell me when you're looking, is it a cookie see or is it someone doing things that we call cooking? 
what some of us call lazy, some call tired or easygoing, what some of us call stupid, some just call a different knowing. So I've come to the conclusion it will serve us all confusion if we don't mix up what we can see with what is our opinion. Because you may, I want to say also, I know that's only my opinion. <laughs> I like that. It was clever in some parts. That's my evaluation. <laughs> yeah, clever. And, you know, in a poem of what five or six stanzas, it gets a lot of information across. So um, if you're out there, you write poetry, you read poetry, keep it up. That's um, keep doing you. <laughs> keep doing you. Have fun with it. Yeah. So anything else in this initial quote that I read jump out to you? I'm going to take another quick look over here. The other part that sticks out to me is... And it, it still kind of falls into alignment with what we've been saying, but like the promoting of good behavior over the full embodiment and expression of one's inner fire. Yeah. Because good, good behavior is, what's the word I'm thinking of? Subjective. It just depends on someone's opinion of what good is. When really, if a teacher or someone in a leadership role is needing order or ease or whatever need they're trying to meet in that moment, mm-hmm. and the kids are not meeting that need, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are doing something bad. They are just also on their end trying to meet their needs, which may be fun and, you know, so yeah, that sticks out really to me. The, the work of the, you know, the teacher and bless our teachers, because I know that they have more work than, um, uh, you know, all of this is going to be evaluation, but my evaluation is more work <laughs> than one person can handle and keep balance in their life. Um, yep. a lot. Uh, so coming from a family of teachers and now working with um, a teacher and seeing what they they do on a daily basis uh, to keep their classroom uh, not only alive, but thriving and to to keep joy in the classroom. They have a lot going on. And, um, you know, this thing called good behavior is is such an evaluation, like somebody sets up the rules around that. Whereas if we're, we have the the strength and the language in which to communicate with people when a need of ours is not met, rather than saying it's bad behavior, we can say, you know, when you're talking while I'm talking, you know, my need to be heard isn't being met, or maybe it's my need for respect uh, or space. So being able to really just name like, what's going on for me as a human being, even if I'm the one with power in the room. Um, yeah, it takes a little longer up front, but I truly believe that it's more sustainable and it creates a system where we can express our inner fire, where we have that freedom to do that and to do it playfully, but also stop ourselves. Cause I was a fiery child. So, you know, there were points <laughs> when I probably to meet everybody's need in the room 
would would stopping would have been uh, more beneficial for everybody than me just like uh, letting my energy out. And yet, if I'm taught that I'm part of this interdependent community in the classroom, um, then I'm going to be more likely to go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hold back for just a moment. Well, you know, Cece's talking so that I can hear her because I know maybe she talks at a slower pace or takes her a minute to, to get out what she wants to share, or maybe she wants to like draw something while she's talking. Um, but it, what it does is it actually creates that respect that we still want that, um, shared reality, those shared agreements that we write down on a piece of paper and we say, these are these shared agreements, just do it instead of like, okay, well, so if we do it, here's what happens. We get this interdependent community and we're able to talk to one another and communicate about our needs. Yeah. While you were talking, I realized this system goes all the way through college. Like a, like co- college was coming up from you where you have your syllabus and there, everything down and every, every professor is different. And um, there is that I wrote all this stuff down and these are the rules. And if you don't do these things, then you will negative 500 points. You're going <laughs> to lose your final exam. And I remember thinking there's no in between here. It's just this or fail. And it creating the thoughts in me that said, hey, fuck this shit. <laughs> That's bleep, not bleep, 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 bleep. Bleep this, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine I'm feeling that as, com- you know, I'm going to say coming of age adult. Now imagine that system still exists in kindergartens and elementary schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And me having the choice and saying, I'm, you know what, I could learn all this stuff in, in a job. I'm going to go get an internship, forget this class. And in elementary school, not necessarily having the option to say, forget this class or <laughs> not fe- maybe not feeling comfortable to say, Hey, this doesn't work for me. Can I do something else? Like in this moment, you're trying to teach me math, but I can't focus on math because all I'm thinking about is look at that sun outside. I want to go skip for a second. Can I go skip outside and then I'll come back and do some (laughs) math, you know? So wanting that um, maybe flexibility in how and how we learn. Mm -hmm. I I love that you're bringing that up because I, um, I chose to go to undergrad and graduate work where there's no grading. Um, my undergrad work was interdisciplinary college that, um, we actually put programs together ourselves and it was all based on evaluations, whether, or reflections. So self-reflection, reflection from our teacher, professor, um, and, and our transcripts were pretty thick because they were written words about the quality of our learning and how, what, what our strengths were, what our weaknesses were. And that was, that was such an opening for me. I just kind of burst open, but I didn't find, um, at school until I was already in my 
third phase of my life. Hey. Uh, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot later in life. So it wasn't like right when I graduated from high school, I went through some other colleges first and this, you know, this competition and grading process thing. And I just remember it being so stressful. So I found my undergrad. I did the work. Um, it was fantastic and wonderful. Opened something up and I said, you know, I'm going to do my graduate work. I had, you know, I had this idea. I wanted a PhD because in my family, my mom's family, um, she was the only one, she was the first generation to go that far. And so I was, you know, um, thinking that's what I want to do, but I couldn't find a program that I liked. So I found uh, master's programs, the great books that didn't have grading. We wrote papers and we got feedback on our papers. And then we had orals um, where we had discussions with professors about our learning. And then later I started working at that college and as a faculty associate. So I got to sit in on the professors talking about, you know, essentially, you know, how is this person doing? Well, if if there was going to be a grade, it might not be one that we could consider passing. So how can we improve their learning here? And, um, you know, they were long conversations. They were, we were committed to having conversations and valuing the individual for who they were and how they learned and how they express that learning in the world. So I was really, really happy to find um, you know, higher institutions that actually moved away from the grading process because that was a, a pretty traumatic process for me. And to this day, I don't like tests. I find myself, even if it's a driving test, questioning the question. And um, I could sit there arguing with the question all day. I'm not really wanting to answer it in the way it's written. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I just need to <laughs> sit with that for a second. Because I was thinking you were going to say something different. And you <laughs> and what you said was totally different than my thought. Because in my mind, you said, hey, I could question the question all day. I'm going to answer it differently from whatever answer you want. And on my end, <laughs> when I think about it, I do not enjoy when I was taking a test and the teacher would just be walking around, just walking. And I, I know that it was more so for integrity, like making sure people were, you know, I was on your own paper. Like, don't ask uh, Karen for the answers, which, you know, sometimes you need a little support. Um, <laughs> and my mind when they were walking around had nothing to do with that. It had to do with, oh my gosh, they're going to see that I don't know. And I'm freaking out, like give myself my own panic attack because one person is standing there just kind of taking a peek. I feel high anxiety overwhelmed when people hovering over me I'm like I don't I can't interpret your silence I'm going to interpret it as you judging everything I'm doing right now <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was laughing 
Yeah. <laughs> those two experiences are so different. They're very different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, neither of them are helping us to uh, learn in that moment or to express our learning, you know, although I don't know if I could argue the question, I, I that would be an expression of my learning. Um, but that's not what they want you to write on the paper. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) so with this question, I would say it's a no, (laughs) it's a no for me. If you ask it like this, then this, these are the possibilities for the answer. But if you ask it like this, then here's some other possibilities. So really, um, there could be five answers that are what you could evaluate as correct to this. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a truth, <laughs> valid. <laughs> so, you know, the thing about nonviolent communication or compassionate or collaborative communication for me is that it allows this flexibility in an ever-changing world, flexibility in language, um, even though the f- four first components are you know, there, there's definitions to them and observations and observation, feeling is feeling, need, request, OFNR. Even with that, there's a lot of flexibility of your own inner experience, how you receive, how you choose to receive messages, um, empathy, self-empathy, you know, all of these uh, things that make human beings who they are and that brings a lot of ease in my heart a lot of peace in my heart to be able to have this kind of process and hopefully impart it to the littles before they get big like us and maybe the system can change that's my hope I would I'll throw myself in there I would hope for that as well that there's a system that allows that flexibility and provides people the opportunity to trust themselves and express themselves in a way where they feel joy and can really shine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my personal opinion, everyone has something that they, that they shine in, you know, and sometimes it's just forgotten when we are told that you need to work in this system to be this thing. Um, and I really don't want anyone else to forget their shine because it, <laughs> it's sad and it's a lot of work to find the shine again. So (laughs) I'd rather work hard on keeping the shine than going back and finding what it was. Remember your shine. So with that, I just want to say again, thank you to my colleague, certified trainer, David R. McCain. That's M-C-C-A-I-N. His, um, his, uh, newsletter is called communicating with heart he's out of flagstaff arizona he's also on the cnbc.org list for facilitators like myself so um he is unaware that i read from his newsletter today (laughs) Uh, 
that is enough attribution for for him, but I got a lot out of it and wanted to bring it to our conversation. For ourselves, I'm doing a pop-up workshop. I know I said I wasn't going to do any for the rest of the summer, but in light of what is happening in the world and people possibly carrying around some enemy images, I'm going to offer an enemy image workshop in about 10 days, I think is when it starts, a couple weekends from now, not this weekend, but the next. And when this, when you're listening to this, know that we recorded early. So technically when you get it, it'll be two days away. That's right. So sign up quick. (laughs) Oops, forgot about that time war. (laughs) So when you hear this, um, for the enemy images workshop and it'll be two days of bringing peace to yourself it'll taking away some of those thoughts that give us distress um bring us discomfort suck our energy it's for you it's not for the people who we quote hold enemy images of necessarily it is for you to have greater peace yes i know these enemy image worksheets bring me a lot of peace. I love them. They're fun also for me. Um, there's also Patreon. Go patreon.com backslash Karen Stars. Always more resources there. And you can reach out to Karen directly through her website, karenstars.com for private coaching or community coaching, mediation, and lots of opportunities for connection support on the site. And I just want to say, if you're listening from a different country, you're worried about the cost of things. Um, our economy is different from many, many countries out there. Please reach out to me and let's see how I can help you on a scale that supports you getting um, your needs met. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye.